Welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Do you ever get a gut feeling? I don't know about you, but I get them all the time. So much so that the fact that, that the post office forwards all my mail to the refrigerator, because that's where I am more than half the time. <laughs> but we're not talking about that kind of gut feeling. We're talking about the feeling where you have a pretense about something that's going to happen. It's called intuition. And today, our featured guest is going to give you all the tools, insights you need to develop your intuition and how it can improve your life. Let us begin today's program. Joining us now is Kim Chesney, international best-selling author and intuition teacher. You can learn more about her by going to her website at kimchesney.com. Ms. Chesney, welcome to the program. Great to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled. Excellent. Well, first question I have to ask you is, you say you utilize your intuition to develop your inner bullshit detector. So how does one utilize <laughs> their intuition to develop the bullshit detector? That is a great question. So it all comes down to our first impressions. So, you know, we, you hear that expression, first impressions never lie. Well, we got to start listening to those first impressions more, okay? So in that little moment before our, our brain gets in there to, like, you know, justify our, our thoughts and feelings, there's this little gem in that first impression that's our intuition. And that intuition gives you that kernel of truth that is above all of the other stuff that you're looking at or perceiving. So it all starts with that one first impression. So, so our inner what happens what what, what do you what what is, what is the intuit what is the intuitive feeling that you should be aware of well so basically with our, with intuition a lot of people don't understand um really what intuition is or how it works there's there's so many uh different misconceptions about it that it's something spooky or weird or that you have to be born with it but the reality is that like we all have it it is something every single person on this planet has some of it some of us are more naturally inclined to it than others, right? It's like a talent. Some people can play the piano better than others, but everybody can put their fingers on a key and do stuff. It's the same with intuition. It's just, it's our counterpoint to our reason. You know, we have this sort of part of our brain that allows us to deduce and, and intellectualize things, but we also have this intuitive part that naturally receives information. It's, a, it's the, like the, the receptive version as opposed to the expressive version. So, we need to get more in touch with receiving and just letting this information come to us, which is from a higher place. So well, as we open up – go ahead. <laughs> How does the intuition play out for detecting BS if you have a severe level of cognitive dissonance? There are a lot of people <laughs> that, you know, okay, but your intuition say, well, everything's fine, yet from the outset they have severe cognitive dissonance. How, do, how does intuition cognitive, cognitive – Dissonance kind of square up with each other. Yeah, yeah, and that is that is a, something that we deal with all the time when we start teaching intuition because a lot of people have barriers, right? There's natural barriers. We're not taught to be intuitive in schools. They're like, no, no, don't think like that. That's not real. It's crazy. So what you need to start doing is, you know, there's exercises that you can do. There's sort of a frame of mind of, of honoring that first impression. That's really the, the, the first start, right, is paying attention to your first impressions and the, the first thing that comes into your mind, because your brain is going to want to take over immediately, and you got to listen to what comes to you before your brain takes over. Because then once your brain takes over, it's your mind and your ego and all your judgments, and it's clouding all of that genuine, pure information that comes in in that 
pristine first impression. You mean, how many times have you looked back on your life and been like, oh, my God, I totally knew that when I met that person the first time. Or, like, I knew I shouldn't have done it, but you do it anyway because you don't trust yourself. So you have to, you have to trust that first impression. And there's a lot of exercises you can do to start to open that up and start paying attention to it. And once you start to do that, you'll notice it more and more. And it's a gradual process of development. It doesn't happen overnight. All right. Well, how do you develop a trust with your intuition if you have been wrong in the past? I mean, are you – is it mm-hmm. – to say, oh, I got this intuitive feeling. And it turns out you were completely mm-hmm. wrong. Like, I'll give you an idea. Yep. My wife met me. She had this intuitive feeling that I was a normal human being. She was completely wrong. <laughs> and at this okay. time, yeah, she, now she, well, she's very hesitant right now. She says, I, gotta figure, I don't know, I can't trust my gut feelings. She's like, I so I'm just curious, like, it, can there be a point where your intuition can be completely wrong, where you have an emotional reaction and the emotional reaction kind of masquerades itself as an intuitive feeling? How do you know the difference between... Oh, uh, my God. You just, yeah, you just nailed it. You just answered your own question. Okay. Yes. Okay. First of all, I'm going to say intuition is never wrong. Ever, never, ever. We're wrong. Okay. So what happens when we make a mistake is we mistake an emotion or a thought for an intuition, right? Because intuitions come from this still small space of quiet knowing that are not charged or attached to our ego or past life or present life experiences in any way. So if if something triggers you that if maybe something about you reminded her of something else that had happened in her life or something you did was a deduction, that's all tied in to um, emotional or experiential deductions, right? The intuition will be, it'll be a knowing. It's just a quiet knowing. It, may, it probably won't make any sense because a lot of times, you know, you can't rationalize them. So, so yes, that's happened to all of us. We've all mistaken other things for intuition. Every single one of us. Yeah, so you know, tell your wife not to feel bad because that's just how it works. No, she but feels she feels bad every time she wakes up in the morning. She's like, oh my god, <laughs> I could have done I could have done so much better. I could have done so much. Why did I settle for less? Why did I settle for less? I guess what it comes about intuition is that all right. So you give some people who consider be considered spiritual. Some people mm-hmm. consider okay more open than the average person. They're saying okay, we're all mm-hmm. open to different mm-hmm. concepts. Yet at the same time, these individuals they seem to be wrapped up in the collective cognitive dissonance about the way things are. Like I'll give you an example: there are people who are uh, considered metaphysical that believe that our system is going to be okay, that we're not under tyranny. And I, from the outset, I think that we're, mm. we're total tyranny. Yet they don't see it that way, or they 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 you know they don't. Uh, I feel like there are certain principles that there's a cap or a ceiling to what they're able to see. So I'm curious, how can some people be so open, be open to all different forms of information, yet not be able to see a massive, massive truth as the idea that you know we are being suppressed in so many different ways, or the fact that our economic system is on the cusp of ending and we're about to go through this colossal event that's unprecedented in human size and scope. Yet a lot of people, they don't see that regardless of how open they are. Where does the intuition find well, that? Why isn't the intuition uh, ringing the alarm bells? Uh, okay. So uh, when you're talking about being open, you mean intuitively open to truth, right? Is that what you're saying? Like yes, just not intuitively getting, open like, all ideas, intuitively open right. to accepting other forms of information that could challenge your set-held beliefs. Okay. So, so what we have to realize is that 
we all of us, if we're still here on this planet, we're still working on our spiritual development, um, and we all still have blocks. So there will be times that you won't know things, right? And and there are going to be things in your life, like you'd be like, oh, I should have known this was going on, and, and my intuition never told me that. I'm mad at my intuition. Um, but if you have an emotional block, a psychological block, the intuition is not going to be able to get through that. We have to be open and on our center. And, and by on our center, I mean in a way that is open to truth, not just the truth that we want. So so these, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, you know, who you're talking about, but when this happens to all of us, it is because there's a block and we don't want to see it. It's a psychological block and we're, we're putting up a barrier in the intuition and the truth in that regard can't come through. So if we really want to open ourselves up, there's exercises that we have to do and, and a spiritual practice that we can create a culture of intuition in our life that really allows us to trust and open up to the truth, whatever it is, no matter how difficult it might be. And if it doesn't agree with us, it's, the truth doesn't change. Right. But it's really normal for that to happen. Like the, 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 the blockages are, are, will go away when we're ready for them. As we spiritually evolve, as we raise higher levels of consciousness and vibration, those blockages come away. And that's when the truth comes when we're ready, you know? Right. Do you think that your in- intuition could deceive you purposely knowing that there are certain truths that if you were to know what they were and to understand and grasp them would fundamentally destroy you? Is there a certain – is there a kind of like a fail-safe switch in your intuition that says, okay, you know, I will reveal to you this much information, but I'm not going to allow you to perceive this information knowing that if you perceive yes. this information, you're done? In, in so many ways, yeah. I, I, I know what you're getting at. And I do think um, – I mean, because I've had experiences like this in my own life. There were – there were huge things in my life that my intuition did not show me at all, like, like at all. So, you know, when I found them out, it was, it was really shocking to me. Um, but I've come to understand over time that again, when we're ready, the truth comes out, but yes, I mean, it's not, I mean, we're not, we're here to grow and evolve. Our intuition isn't going to show us something that's going to cheat us. I mean, intuition isn't cheating, right? So a lot of people, they give me like, Oh, I want a psychic powers and, and I just want to know the future, and I want to know everything that's going to happen, and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not what life is about. We're put here to grow and evolve and become better people. And our intuition is there to guide us through that process. So, yeah, it's going to drip stuff, the stuff that we need to know. And there might be stuff that they're going to block because we don't need to know that or we need to come through our own journey to find that out in our own time. So we just have to trust in the universe and the timing and, and that we know what we're meant to know. I'm curious, do we really have to come here to, to grow and evolve? Because I'm wondering, if we come from spirit and we are part, uh, we were created as part of infinite consciousness, so our origin maybe is infinite consciousness, why would we have to go through an experience where we cohabitate with the human animal form, go through a series of life experiences, and return to spirit? I mean, I, I don't understand what, why do, how is it possible that we could evolve if we've already come from the highest point possible of consciousness? Wow, you like to ask some really deep questions. I mean, that is a good one. I'm not going to pretend like I have the answer for that. I mean, I have my own thoughts on that. And when I, hey, when I figure that one out for sure, I will let you know, and we, okay. we, can, we can make a million dollars. Because that's the big question, right? That's a huge question. Why, why are we doing this? Why are we going through these motions? And, 
there's so many different theories on whether, you know, we have to do it or whether we choose to do it or whether, you know, we're just an expression of a physical manifestation of divine consciousness, like unfolding in the universe, right? So there's so many different perspectives on why this is happening. But we know that, that by raising our consciousness and spiritually evolving, we become happier and we become more loving. And one thing we can't argue with is the fact that happiness and joy and love are things we like. And so why wouldn't we want to do something that's going to bring us into a higher state where there's more harmony and unity and, and feelings of love for each other? Well, when it comes to happiness, I actually have an issue with that, and I'll explain. Because I wonder okay. if people sometimes, they do, they, they're kind of like slaves to the appetites and you know, hunches of what their body wants. Because if their body mm-hmm. gets something, then they get the reward, and then they get the serotonin bump from releasing the brain saying, oh, mm-hmm. we feel good. But... Mm-hmm. You know, the processes of doing that, oh, I feel happy. Meanwhile, you're, you're distracted because people, you know, can be out raging alcoholics so they can do heroin. And they say, you know, hey, I feel happy. This is my spiritual nature. Yet they're harming mm-hmm. themselves. So what is mm-hmm. the fine line, from your perspective, to being happy yet at the same time being constructive and having a sense of purpose where you're doing actions and putting thoughts and words that it can sustain you for the long term as an authentic happiness, not just a happiness where your body's kind of getting a rush off. You're putting chemicals mm-hmm. in it. Yes, and this is a question. I, I deal with this concept a lot when I teach because people really get into this uh, dynamic of what is the boundary between my ego and, like, my higher self. And defining this difference between this false temporary egoic happiness and this true happiness and joy that comes with selfless love and connection with the higher self and higher vibration in the universe. So, so really, I mean, I'd say the simple answer to that is getting our ego out of the way. You know, when we have this, these ego drives, whether it is physical or whether it's um, emotional or even, you know, all the different kind of trappings that we can have with our personalities, and we put away our wants and our needs and our desires, which are all tied up in, in fear and, and all of the things that we don't want in our life anyway. So tying all that stuff up and, and getting it under control and shifting to this, this selfless place where we trust. Like, again, it comes back to trust. It comes back to this trust in life and in the universe and that everything that happens to us is, can be used for our better good in some way or another, even if it is painful. And then you start to reach this state of peace. So I think maybe happiness isn't the right word in our context, right, for a contemporary society, because we just think, like, happiness is, oh, you know, we get married and have kids and a white picket fence and two cars and, and you know, all that stuff, right? But those are all part of the trappings of the ego. I mean, it's a, it's a nice life that we have in the West, and we're very blessed to have this kind of prosperity, but that's not what happiness really is. Real happiness is being able to have nothing and still have your peace and still have joy and love in your heart. I, thank you. I love one of your articles. It says, Intuit or Die, Why Intuition Can Save the World and Your Life. Now, the first thing I think about is when it comes to saving the world is I, I, mean, I make it very clear to the people listening that I am completely anti-human being. 
I cannot wait for the species to be wiped off the planet. And I don't think the world <laughs> needs to be saved. I think that the world needs to be saved from us. So, Indeed. Yeah. So as far as saving the world, I'm wondering if, if intuitively speaking, if people you know, go into their intuition and they start to become happier, is intuition or a society that is using their intuition, does that undermine a lot of the institutions? Does that undermine a lot of the religious and political and social institutions if people oh. Absolutely. I mean, why do you think, I mean, why do you think that there is so little awareness, real awareness around intuition out there? It's always been marginalized. It's always been something that's relegated to, you know, kooks and, you know, weirdos, right? Like there's, there, when when you talk about intuition, um, you know, and even like you look at the programs that governments around the world, all throughout history, I mean, have used psychics and have worked with their intuition, but it's always something that, they don't want us to know about because it is real and it does empower us because intuition puts your higher self for to your own higher self be true, right? It doesn't say to your government to be true or to your city to be true or, you know, or your country, all that stuff. Like, I mean, it's about total reliance on your higher self, not your ego self, not like your, your, your me, 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 but the higher truth and the oneness that connects us all as human beings. So honoring that truth, Honoring your inner truth as opposed to society's truth is controversial, and it always has been. It's always going to be a threat to any kind of traditional institution. You know, you had the transcendentalists and Henry David Thoreau and and Emerson. They were all about intuition because it was a reaction against the the culture of society, right? So so when we make this shift and we start to honor ourselves, I, I mean, above even our family, right, our kids, our spouses, Right. And, and it sounds selfish at first, but when you realize the self that you're honoring isn't your personal ego self, your, it's your higher self, then you start to live from a place that's completely different. Then you start to live from a place that, that helps everyone, that helps us grow together and helps us all to be better and raise the vibe. So, so yeah, um, it's very difficult. It's a very difficult conversation in those terms. So, you know, saving the world, it can save the world. Because if we all if we all did it, I mean, I can't even envision a world where we all live by our intuition because we're just so far from it. Oh, I people, can. I, I, I absolutely can. I'd be wonderful because you just you just have to get one disease. It wipes out all the people on the planet except for a couple hundred, and those people are happy. I was, right. I mean, I'm, I'm totally happy. I, I always tell my wife, like, you know what? I can totally deal with the apocalypse as long as there are people that operate the grocery store. That's it. GameStop, they need people, you need, you need one person to operate the GameStop, one person to run the grocery store, and then I'm fine with like a couple other fun people. That's it. Well, yeah, and that's like really, it becomes a throwback, right? Because what you're talking about is going back to the simpler state. And if you look back at history, in ancient history, before we had civilization in those years, um, you know, we, we, we think about people being like cave people and primitive, but they weren't. You know, you just look at like the, the cave paintings in France, and you see that they were highly sensitive, intuitive people. So there was probably a time that existed before our minds took over and civilized the world where we all lived in that kind of intuitive state, at least a much more intuitive state than we live now. Now we have to, like, struggle to bring intuition back to counterbalance this mind that's taken over everything. Well, then I want to bring up two opposing forces I see happening, but as far as intuition goes, what would you say would be maybe the top three or top five ways that a person – can enhance their intuition, and also, when enhancing their intuition, how can they expect their life to improve? 
Okay. So that's a, that's a lot. Um, no, but it's, those are the, but they're the most important questions. So, okay. so I, I really feel like to, in order to, um, to, to start doing this, well, they could read my book for one thing, Psychic Workshop, because that's a really deep uh, dive into understanding intuition and working with it, and there's a bajillion exercises in there. But if you want to just start doing some things on your own, um, like I said earlier, the, uh, the, the, the first impression thing is really big. You've got to stay on that. And meditation is very important, too. So starting to practice listening, right, going into meditation and and practice opening your mind to, to being receptive to thoughts. So quieting your mind. Eckhart Tolle wrote The Power of Now. If you haven't Great read book. that, everybody should read it. Great book, right? Now, and, and that's what he has set the stage for intuition because quieting of the mind and stilling of the mind is absolutely necessary for you to hear your intuition. So once you get to the place of no mind that he talks about where you have that empty space and that gap, that's the place where your intuition gets in. So you have to make that gap bigger. You've got to get the, you got to start opening the gap, letting that gap have more of a space in your life. And it'll just naturally start to happen. So once you start to do that and start paying attention to these impressions, write a journal. Get a journal and write them down because you need validation, right? So in the beginning, it's going to feel like your imagination. You're like, okay, I'm just going to write this down. You, you can even play like little games like, okay, so what's tomorrow going to be? Give me, um, something about tomorrow. Give me a vibe for tomorrow or a, a sign for tomorrow, something that will help me to know that this is real, right? And then you just start writing them down, and then tomorrow comes, and then you look back, and then you say, oh, oh, now, I didn't know what that meant at the time, but that, like, necktie, that, that image that I got in my head that seemed like my imagination was, like, oh, like, I had some, I spilled something on my husband's necktie or something, right? So so you'll you'll start to develop this language with your higher self and, and a trust with that language when you keep a journal and you get validations that those things were real, so you have to establish that trust so that you know that you're, it's not your imagination. Okay. And so if, just, if you, so if you're practicing your intuition, mm-hmm. can you, is it like going to the gym and using a lot of ways and kind of building up? So say, yes. for example, you would say, okay, uh, I know there, there is beer in the fridge. And you go there, and there's beer in the fridge, and you do that five times. They're like beer in the fridge. Yep, there's beer in the fridge. So you kind of like you know, kind of patting yourself on the back. Are you doing that simplistically? Does that build up the confidence? Does that build you up into being open to other forms of intuition? I know I use a kind of a yes. silly example, but on a simplistic level, do you build that up? Is it the same thing as like it's, working it's not, muscle? It's not silly at all. It's a great example. I actually have a video on my Facebook page. It's called Your Daily Intuition Workout about exactly that it's just like going to the gym um only it's like a gym for your soul (laughs) instead of your body so it's exactly you do little repetitive exercises just like when you go to the gym and you lift that weight over and over again it's those tiny little meaningless repetitive exercises that allow you to start building up that intuition muscle and it might just start with a little bit you can just lift a little bit of weight in the beginning but then fast forward a year and you'll and you go back and look at it, and you have grown exponentially. So that's exactly how you do it, Excellent. little one step at a time. Excellent. Al, I was talking to you about two opposing forces. I see. I don't know what your thoughts are about this, but I see that as far as the ego goes, there is something called a something called the matrix. We've actually talked a lot about it on the show, mm-hmm. where the forces mm-hmm. of control kind of get people and they lock them in to what they see here, and 
a lot of the, the control of tyranny seems like they, they control people because there's a certain frequency that people get locked into. You know, even mm-hmm. if they're watching TV and there's certain things they get triggered and they get locked into this frequency. So as far mm-hmm. as that goes, how do you balance and battle between the ego matrix of control and the uh, I would call it the the lighthearted matrix of intuition, if you want to call it that way. The, the the collective feeling where all intuition comes from, where all kindness and all lighthearted uh, information comes through, compared to that frequency of control, the matrix of control. Um, if you, do, do you kind of shift more into intuition if you disavow what your body wants to go to more what your spirit wants? How does that really work out? I mean, and how do you kind of counterbalance and not get trapped into that matrix of the ego and mind? That's a great question. So I think we need to, um, it's about, the answer is about alignment. So, so intuition, one of the big aspects of intuition that I would talk about is aligning with your path and your purpose. And when you are at one with your intuition and you have this sense of resonance for, um, your pathway and your next steps in life, uh, you start to make the decisions by this, we talked about earlier about to your own higher self be true, right? You start living from this place of loyalty to your higher self instead of loyalty to these systems that are part of this control system. Because it's really what it is. We're all in a system around us where we're, we're conditioned, right? And we have to break that conditioning. That is one of the first things that happens when you start working with your intuition. You've got to be prepared to break your conditioning because we've been raised to think certain ways. We've been raised to habitually act certain ways. And all of that stuff, all of that stuff, it, it, it keeps us in a state of spiritual slavery. So in order to break free from that, we have to start connecting and honoring and trusting our higher selves because that's where the only true information is coming from. Everything else around us is experiential and subjective, but that is our core, and that is where the truth is, and that's where the objectivity and the omniscience is. So as we align with that and make choices in our life by that, all those other things start to have less control over us. We're not interested in them. They don't resonate. We don't align with them anymore. I don't want to, I don't need to watch three hours of TV a day anymore because like I'm doing something else and I'm feeling all creative and I'm writing and or I'm painting and, and I don't have to go and, and, and eat all this food compulsively because my soul is fulfilled, right? So, so it, all this stuff starts to fall away when you start to fulfill your inner soul. And just a quick reminder. Learn more about Kim by going to her website, kimchessing.com. She's got one of her books called The Psychic Workshop, a complete program for fulfilling your spiritual potential. I think it's awesome. You got a lot of great reviews on it. Kim, I'd like to learn a little bit more about you. How, what was the, what has your journey been like? How did you develop your, your intuition, psychic abilities, you want to call it that? And, uh, oh, that's great. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so that's an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> so you so I was, you know, as a young person, I was, um, you know, I was pretty naturally intuitive, but I didn't really understand it, and it freaked me out a lot. I had a lot of scary experiences, as you know, can happen, you know, when you have intuition and you don't understand how to use it. And um, and I, so I decided to go to an intuitive development group. This was, oh, geez, probably 15 years ago. And when I and when I was in my intuitive development group, one of my intuitive, my, we'd like have little messages for each other where we'd practice. And one of the women said, "Yo, you're going to be writing a book this year." And I was like, "That's crazy! I'm not going to be writing a book this year." And I ended up getting a book deal with <laughs> within like two months. 
and I had never even thought about having a book deal until that's that awesome. So it's a, <laughs> it's really crazy, right? So, um, so that's what got the, that whole thing moving forward. Um, but, um, yeah, so, uh, so I started working with it and, um, and then I also have this whole other sort of parallel world going on because I've worked in the technology industry, uh, for the last, uh, 15, 20 years as well. So, um, it's been really interesting for me learning about how intuition, uh, is both a spiritual part of us, but it's also really a part of our business life and it's a part of, it's becoming a part of mainstream culture. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the word intuition working with like designers and, and like tech people because intuition suddenly becoming a thing that people want to explore when they're building new products like Apple. Look at Apple. They like Steve Jobs is one of the biggest champions in the universe for intuition, you know? So you can see how the power of intuition is even affecting like global culture, not just our, not just our interpersonal selves. So so yeah, so those kind of things came together, and this is where I am now. And what has been the hardest part of your journey? Has your intuition actually revealed the truth about a certain situation that, logically speaking, you were very comfortable with, but intuitively speaking, you knew you had to break out of it? Did you have a battle between what you knew logically was sound, yet intuitively you mm -hmm. knew it was not correct? Um, many, many different cases of that, really many throughout the years. Um, but really the biggest thing for me is was my spiritual calling. I knew that I needed, and like many people, like many uh, practitioners and um, creative people out there, I knew I had a spiritual calling and that I needed to dedicate my life to it. And, um, you know, it was scary at first because, you know, I wasn't sure how I was going to make money. I wasn't sure how I was going to, like, do that on my own. Uh, so making that leap and moving, uh, to, towards, um, giving my life over 100% to my calling was, uh, very scary, but I couldn't have had more rewards than I've had. So it's always worth it. You know, you just have to trust. And that's the key is really trusting that intuition. And it was, it's hard sometimes because it's really scary because there's a lot at risk, you know, but so the more calling. we do it, the more we trust. So it's, it's calling. Mm -hmm. is, it, is this something calling you with the inside saying, look, okay, your you're higher self is saying, hey, hey, come on, we got to do this, we got to do it? Yes. Kind of just kind yes. of being good. Now, is your higher self, would you consider that to be, uh, as Nancy Dennison would say, we've had on our show, source, the uh, creator of all things? Sure. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. always trying to know the difference between, what is the difference between when a person taps into their intuition and they're tapping into their higher self, which could be, mm -hmm. I, I like to visualize, their spirit outside their body, their spirit that's on this trajectory that is not part of source yet. It is its own definable uh, spirit outside of source <laughs> or within source compared to getting intuitive feeling or in, intuition from source, which would be considered the end-all, be-all creation, which we are, mm -hmm. we are all part of. So how do you know the difference between when you're getting an intuitive feeling from your higher self or you're getting into it a feeling between uh, creation as we know it? Okay, that's a great question. I feel like the, the way that I see this whole scenario is it's, it's all sort of part of a single conduit. Like we are here as these human beings down here as, as these, um, you know, egoic beings. So at the very core, we have the ego. And then as we raise our consciousness, we, be, we we have our ego, but we are also connected with our higher self, which is still an individualized form of source or of the universe, right? So it's, it is the universe and the source, but it's still in an individual form. So it's the higher self really, to me, the way I understand it, is sort of a middleman 
between the universal energy and the ego energy. So it kind of has one foot in each pot. We still have our individuality, but we also have access to the omniscient, all-knowing wisdom of the universal energy. Excellent. And is there any particular practice or affirmation that you say on a regular basis that you feel is the most empowering for you and an affirmation that you would like to share with our audience to say, hey, you know, do this. It's going to put you in a better place. Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, I, uh, I, I spent some time um, at a meditation retreat uh, with uh, Bhante Wamala, the Buddhist monk, and, um, and I always do a variation on a, a meditation that he taught me, um, but this is more geared towards intuition. And I, when I say this affirmation, I think I say it every day because it reminds me um, of how we need to be on our center and honor our intuition above all else. And it goes, I will trust the wisdom of my soul to inspire and guide my intentions. I will trust the wisdom of my soul to inspire and guide my intentions. I close all of my meditations with that. And sometimes I do malas with it, repeating it over and over and over again. Just reinforcing that you trust the wisdom of your soul above all else. Miss Kim Chesney, international best-selling author and intuitive teacher. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. A little more about Miss Chesney by thank going you. to her website at kimchesney.com. And, mm-hmm. of course, you got to go out and buy the book. Psychic Workshop, a complete guide, uh, sorry, com- the complete program for fulfilling your spiritual potential. <laughs> Miss Chesney, thank you for being with us today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It's been great. <laughs> okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show. Special thanks to our amazing guest, Miss Kim Chesney. And special thanks, as always, to the Out of Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show Virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Kaza, and Miss Constance Sellis. To learn more about the Out of Limits of Inner Tooth Radio Show, Please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Thank you so much for listening and take good care. <laughs>